0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of What the Future podcast, brought to you by Future Leaders Mentoring. This week, we're talking about mental health, the second in our five-part series where we get into the detail with experts both lived and taught. In this episode, we discuss the stigma associated with mental health. I'm joined by Mike Ring, Sarah Morgan, and Andy Colton. Hi, all. Welcome along. Bye. Bye bit of a bit of a, a sort of a chorus there actually <laughs> hopefully with us in tune on today's podcast so thank you everybody uh, really uh, looking forward to this chat today actually um so getting straight into it then um andy uh, tell me a little bit about what's drawn you to talk about mental health stigma today
1: yeah thanks Ian um so i suppose it's one of those where i've been on a bit of a personal journey myself from my own experiences with with mental health, so where I've had my own struggles, especially towards the sort of latter part of my career to, to date. Um, but I've also seen uh, 16 years in professional services as an IT consultant. I've really seen the, the change in mental health for the better. I'm glad to say I think there's still definitely work to do. Um, but I have seen from especially those earlier days of my career. There really was, you know, it w- it was a bit of a dirty word, you know, all dirty words. Men- mental health, uh, at least we, in some quarters, anyway, not to say everybody. Um, so I think it's it's really really important to talk about it. I think what what I've found help over time is, yeah, hearing people's stories um, and seeing that a lot of people, everyone has a story. I think everyone has a story to some point. I think it's the the more we can talk about it, the better. And um, yeah, to try and uh, ultimately try try and get rid of this stigma because. Like I say, I think everybody does have some kind of story. Everybody suffers or knows someone who who suffers. So the more we can talk about it and share experiences, I I think the better.
0: Yeah, spot on, Andy. Thanks. Um, Sarah,
2: how about you? So uh, similar in some ways to Andy, um, my own experiences of working in quite toxic cultures where mental health was... Um, was seen as a, a problem rather than something to be supported and, and people helped. And the recognition that workplace stress can lead to fairly significant mental health um, problems and issues if it isn't handled well. And the flip side of that that I get really frustrated with at the moment is the, the positive mental attitude. I call it the toxic positivity this whole, like, you know, if you, if you stand in a mirror and say your mantra is everything is fabulous, then, you know, your mental health problems will go away. And there's a stigma around it in that it's almost perceived that by being positive and turning your frown upside down, magically everything gets better. And it's really displaying a lack of empathy and a lack of understanding of the depth of the, the um, problems that some people are, are encountering. Yeah.
0: Spot on. thank you Sarah and mike finally what uh, what's brought you here today?
2: So
3: what's brought me here is that you know my background is in the NHS so as a paramedic, and as a paramedic, you see the sort of the worst parts of people's lives and when it comes to mental health, it's something nobody ever wants to talk to, and in my career, it was always a, a term of or just man up get on with it or the terms would be they got problem with their nerves and unfortunately that if people ask for help earlier they would never get to that crisis point Mm. you know and it's it's always prevention is always much better than cure Mm. and I think if we can sort of normalize talking about mental health like we would normalize talking about physical health you know majority of people would never get into that crisis point. And this is one of the things I teach on the mental health first aid courses I do, is all about, let's just normalise talking about our mental health. Like I would talk about having man flu, which everybody knows is very serious. But, you know, I think it's we, we should all just normalise things.
0: Yeah, very true. Um, and it's something I said uh, previously, um, you know, whenever we talk about... Um, mental health you never have to say good or bad at the start of it whereas we really should because you know somebody's mental health same as your physical health could either be good or bad you know it, when you're having a good day you never refer to it as mental health a mental health good day um, whereas we should because it it's just it's just one of those descriptions one of those words that for some reason hasn't needed a good or a bad in front of it whereas everything else seems to and I, I, it's, it's it's sort of occurred to me, and, and, I, and I've always wondered why why that is, and it's almost like that's part of the part of the challenge, actually, around uh, talking about it. That's a great point because
2: it's a spectrum, isn't it? From awesome mental health to, as as Mike said, that crisis point, and when you're in a, a good place and you're exercising your mental health. Um, you know, as you say, you don't talk about it in the same way. It becomes mental health when it's on the negative end of the spectrum, rather than recognizing the the full spectrum of it.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, and some of the some of the things you mentioned there, Mike, really, you know, so somebody's got nerves, you know, that some of those medical descriptions, I suppose, uh, and manning up and on all this sort of toxic stuff that you know, even even now, actually, you know, still exists. Um yes. but I'm seeing I'm seeing more and more um sort of traditional sort of manly cultures uh, as it as it were being more open to this stuff. So I'm seeing more and more rugby clubs, for instance, previously the bastion of, of male pride and, and and sort of um everything associated with sort of um manning up, seeing a lot, a lot of those places being uh, exploring mental health and talking more about it so you think about some of the sports men and women coming back from the Olympics talking about their struggles openly and you know checking out because they want to handle their mental health positively yeah most
3: definitely so and I've been lucky enough to work with the, the Ospreys and the Scarlets with regards to the players mental health we done mental health first aid with them and it's quite refreshing to see the guys opening up about their mental health, especially the senior players, and then you have the younger players who are coming through looking up and saying, okay, so it's okay for me to tell you how i 'm feeling and I think Lloyd Ashley, one of the Ospreys plays is um he's really great at guy getting people to open up about their mental health, so it is all
1: slowly coming I think that said look look at some of the output or some of the feedback from you know Naomi Osaka when she when she had her issues and the was it the which open was it uh, in the tennis? Whenever it was, anyway, there was quite a backlash, mm. you know, for for this poor young girl who clearly was was having a struggle. So you know, that whilst I totally agree with you, Mike. You know, it, things are moving in the right direction. Clearly, there's, there's still a way to go. Um, you know, and and maybe there's elements for 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 her maybe the sexism and racism built in, because Ben Stokes recently had his, you know, he's taken some time away from cricket. Was there the, back, the same sort of level of backlash? I, I don't think there was, um, but, you know, probably in some quarters there still was. So it's, it is still there, unfortunately. Um, but I think, again, the more we talk about it, the better.
0: Yes. And it, I, yeah. I, when, I, when I look at it, I kind of think some of the challenges are when people on the face of it, um, look like they 're getting on with life and being successful so if you think about that yeah. that uh, uh, lady tennis player so she was able to play tennis but she just didn 't want to get into the the sort of talking about it in front of the press afterwards and that was clearly you know a mental health challenge for her and, and I guess she was just prioritizing the the, the things that she was perhaps enjoying and, and able to do and and very often in in life you kind of here are people going and seeking help and getting feedback. Well, you know, you've arrived, you, you, you know, you're fully dressed. You look like you're pretty successful. You, you're well put together. Um, mm. So you're, you're obviously okay. This isn't a cry for help moment, is it? And, and that's the, I guess, the nuance in all of this, is that anyone, at any point, people can reach that crisis um, area and really need help, but it's hard to recognize it.
1: Mm. I've I've had an instance of that, so I take up the time on this one. Where again, where where I had my own struggles several years back, and uh, initially I, I sought some some help through my through my GP, and then eventually through the NHS. And bless the NHS, you know they're so inundated with all these things. But I do remember when I finally did get to see someone because uh, in my career I'm used to talking to people, I'm used to kind of you know dressing smart and you know hold, holding a good conversation, and and I, and and I was fobbed off a bit because. Yeah, she, she, she kind of didn't quite get it that I was really struggling and maybe I wasn't articulating it maybe I was wasn't making it as serious as, as I did but you know I think even when sometimes people and not just me are try, you know brave enough to try and seek some help sometimes because of that exact point Ian that you just mentioned I think sometimes it's still it's still not there you know thankfully I, I got to see somebody else and you know then they they were able to help me a little bit further, but um, a lot of people probably would have been turned off at that point, and then and then gone away. So you know, I think there's there's always lessons to be learned. You know, up and up and down the spectrum.
0: Definitely. And uh, Mike, do you, you know, listen to uh, what everybody said. do you think this is part of the challenge of of why there's still a stigma around mental health?
3: Oh, there is a massive uh, stigma around mental health, and. One of the things I do in the course is we, we have this little exercise which I can go through with really you quite quickly now. So, for example, say for the three of us now, were going for a, a job and we're have the final interview stage. We've gone through the assessment centre. We've blown it out of the water. However, on your CV, there's a six-month gap when you were off with a mental illness. So would anybody here openly admit to the, the interview panel the true reason for that six month gap?
1: Good question, <laughs>
2: really took, good question. Yeah, and I would, I took longer for my maternity leave. I took an extra six months because I was struggling so desperately with postnatal depression. Um, and I wasn't ready to go back into, into the office. Um, so I left the organization I was with and, and took some, some real time out. Um, before I felt able to go back and I do talk about that quite openly um because there's an expectation that you've got you're on that leave it's for you know nine to twelve months and then you go back to your old job and that wasn't what my CV looked like so I did talk about that but it's still uncomfortable and I'm talking about it now knowing that you know hopefully thousands and thousands of people will listen to this podcast um and it, it it is uncomfortable and and um Challenging, but it's only by us all standing up and telling our stories that people can go, yeah. "Oh, okay, me too. I'm I'm comfortable now. I can I can share."
1: And Sarah, was was that something you did that at the time? So did, did did you talk about the those the challenges you were having, or was it a case of you know spend more time with my family, or what did you do at that exact time? So now you you're okay talking about it?
2: Yeah. Um, So yeah, I I sought out counselling. I've I've been in and out of talking therapy for years. I think it's it's a brilliant thing, Um, and it was about spending more time with my daughter, bonding with her in a way that I didn't for the first nine months um, because I was struggling, and getting to the point where I knew that I had the resilience needed to go into an office environment again and and be able to cope.
1: Hmm.
3: Do you find sharing with people, Sarah, that they all of a sudden that they would open up to you as well and sort of share their issues and challenges they've been through
2: absolutely and I think it it mirrors a little bit what what Andy and Ian were saying earlier that there is a perception that you know I've got it all together I've got a great family and a great house I've had a great career I've got my own business so for me to say well actually this happened and this happened it it's humanizing if that's the right word so people suddenly can relate and go oh my gosh like I now feel safe that I can share my story and open up a bit more
1: yeah. and that's that's definitely my experience as well Mike where and, and I've and I've been I've heard other people do it which has helped me tell my stories and then because I've told my stories people the amount of people that have then come to me with their stories I think it massively helps I, I remember way back again when, when I was first really struggling um because my organization it was it was very much the prevention being better than cure Mike to your point earlier um the, the prevention unfortunately just kind of wasn't there once i had challenges they were really really supportive i have to say but i think there was still a lot of work to kind of get to that prevention stage but what really helped me was one of the most senior people you know well respected big boss you know big boss guys as it were um just sitting down with me basically saying you know um i'm still waiting for the day i get found out you know and here, here i am you know i'm doing pretty well for myself it this is how i feel and you know, I think a lot of people feel like that. And for me, just to kind of hear that, but yeah, but you're this, you know, this guy who's super and, you know, confident and everything else. And it just goes to show, you know, there's a lot you don't see beneath the surface. And I think, I think the, another thing that's helped me over my time as well is um, it's all everything's relative, you know. So you, someone might have had a tragic, tragic time and lost people and, you know, all sorts. And somebody else, maybe when you look at the two, you know, side by side, you're like, yeah, but theirs doesn't compare. You know, they've not had as much loss. But I you mean, know, I'm sure it's the way the brain is. You know, you kind of it's it's all relative, and so I think it's okay not to always. And again, speak from my own experience, not to beat yourself up when on paper your your problems don't seem as bad as somebody else's. It's because it is it is all all relative. Um, Absolutely, not, yeah.
2: And it can be really it can be really disempowering, and something that I'll say quite regularly to to, to clients who are struggling is. The, the struggle that you're having with your situation isn't altered and the situation that their experience isn't altered by yours, like, it isn't comparable.
1: Yeah, very good way of putting it.
2: Yeah. yeah I,
3: like, I like what we've found the last few months, especially as we go through COVID, is people are opening up about their mental health. However, you see the negative side with regards, say, for example, Meghan Markle, you know, she openly admitted that she felt suicidal. Now, if you had a group of friends and all your group of friends, you all you saw them post on Facebook, don't believe a word she says. You know, she's just attention seeking. Now, if you were that friend who is having those challenges, are you going to want to open up then to your friends because you think mm. they mm. are going to judge me exactly the same as they would judge Megan? So we have these challenges as well.
0: Yeah. And I, do you know, Mike. I think the, the question you ask there around, you know, would you disclose? It's a it's a really challenging question. I've been thinking about it while everybody else has been talking, and I'm, I'm not sure I would be strong enough in all cases to to share. Actually, I think it would de- it would depend on how I felt the company was, and if if during the interview process I felt there were some red flags. Around supporting mental health and culture, I probably wouldn't share, but I would hopefully also be strong enough to turn down the offer. Yeah. Um, and and I haven't always done that. I've 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 often found myself in in cultures that were pretty toxic um, and wondered why I didn't spot it beforehand. Um, you know sometimes you've got bills to pay, you've got to get on with it, um, mm-hmm. and and that's not a great place to be. Because um, it's it, it you know you you have to be uh, sort of mentally strong enough to say no to something, but also financially strong enough. I think because you can you okay. can say this isn't a good environment for me, but it could be a much worse environment if you if you can't pay your mortgage, if you can't if you can't pay your gas and electricity bills. So yeah. so there's definitely a balance there. So I, 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 I would probably find myself in a situation of weighing all of that up very quickly in my head before saying yes or no if I thought there was a there was a leadership lesson in there and say well you know I'm Ian I struggled with mental health and there was a great story there to to share wonderful if I didn't then I I probably wouldn't being completely honest. That's really interesting
2: the, the the red flag Uh, thought around it as well because what I was thinking as you were sharing that Ian was what a good way of getting to the nub of how that company feel about mental health if by sharing it you get a reaction that gives you a really clear message that this is not going to be a safe place Mm. um you know essentially a good... good way of reading that out
0: yeah
1: yeah I think so I'm reflecting on all of your thoughts now. So my initial thought, Mike, to your question was similar to Ian, even though, you know, I'm, I've been through my own journey and, you know, talked about it openly. I'm not sure I'm not sure I would. I'm not sure I would talk about it. Having heard what you just said, Sarah, now I will. I think you're absolutely right because why you are setting yourself up otherwise potentially for failure. So yeah, I think um that's that's a really good way of looking at it. You know, trying it's almost testing the water, isn't it? So, um, so yeah, to, obviously, to, need a bit, bit of bravery to do it. But yeah, absolutely, yeah. good, good shout.
0: T- turning the question around, Mike, and, and just looking for some advice here, um, is is it a good interview question actually to to open up the conversation about mental health? So so if I if I'm interviewing for somebody now, and I'm trying to get across to them, um, you know, this is the culture we we're trying to develop. Is it, is it a question worth asking, or a scenario worth asking to open up the conversation on mental health without asking? Have you had any mental health challenges?
3: It is a, it is a very good uh, opening. However, it's, it depends where on that journey that person is with mm-hmm. their mental health at that given time. Because some people could be at the beginning and may not feel strong enough to want to open up. However, they could be right at that end of that journey thinking damn i'm, I'm strong and i want to promote her where i've been i've come from a place of real weakness to this place now i'm strong i'm proud i've got through it and i want to help other people so yeah it is very good at opening up without asking directly that they may want to share with you hmm. so it's, it's yes. a very good opportunity
2: is is there also a, a caution there around asking the question getting a great answer but then if that's the candidate that you turn down then potentially coming back and saying oh it's because of this that you turned me down rather than because of that
3: this is when it comes to interviews that we make sure that we are clear and concise with regards we stick within all of the legal parameters that we questions mm-hmm. that we are allowed to ask at interviews mm-hmm. and questions we are not allowed to ask yeah. you know so as long as we stick within those parameters mm-hmm you know, it's going to be a safe place to have that conversation. You know, yeah. uh, for example, I did some work with a, a large government department where this young girl openly admitted that she lied at her interview because she had depression and she didn't want to tell this the, the company about her depression. Nine months down the line, she openly admits to her boss that she lied. She still keeps a job. But what her boss did then was put things in process protect her that her depression wasn't exacerbated by the workload. Yeah. So it was an advantage that she finally told them what had happened, her problems, and he said, right, okay, if you have issues, we will do this. Yeah. And, you know, it, is, it was a win-win for everybody there. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. a great story. And so, so thinking about how we turn, <coughs> turn this around then, so um, my blunt Example there of asking a question at an interview stage uh, to, to allow the conversation to start. But how, you know, how else can we start to turn things around? You know, Sarah, what are your thoughts? How can we start to turn the tide even more than it is at the moment?
2: So I think it's around storytelling. You know, we, we've all shared our, our stories and talked about how we have been um, emboldened and heartened by hearing those stories so you know the more we can all talk about it the more we can all talk about our own experiences the more it becomes safe to do so encouraging people to become more self-aware so thinking around um, within the workplace being aware of how you're perceived by others how you perceive others how you can display more empathy in in those working environments Um, and calling out poor behavior so, you know we've talked a bit around the toxic workplaces, um, but it's sometimes it's the microaggressions rather than something that's really apparent, but calling it out those of us who are in a position to to see it and feel strong enough to say, hey, hang on that that wasn't okay." Um, and again, to start to normalize that. and I think the final thing we talked about a little bit earlier about um, mental health being a spectrum, not a binary. Talking about good mental health and what we do to improve our mental health. We talk about going to the gym, we talk about going for a run, we talk about eating healthily. Quite openly, you know, talking about physical health and how to stay healthy is, is really open and an obvious conversation. Doing that from a mental health perspective as well. So talking about all of the positive things that we can do to improve our mental health. Whether that's meditation, working with a coach or a therapist, um, journaling it out, talking about it, whatever it might be, that that improves your mental health.
0: Spot on. And just from from your point of view, Andy, obviously you're on a journey now where you're setting up your own energy company, um, and I know that you're looking to learn from from your own journey and making sure that you know the culture is correct. Um, what what are the sort of what are the things you're looking to to, to create a at, at hope energy that that mean that, that the tide starts to turn
1: yeah it's um I suppose just reflecting on my on my own story a, a little bit as well to kind of to kind of answer that so um I think as, as I mentioned to you before I, I was once one of those people who did make light of um you know pe- people with struggles and you know not openly or to the face but you know with perhaps with a little group of us we, we would talk down people like that I think what would have helped me at that time because I, you know now I'm ashamed by it you know I'm embarrassed by it and um, education I think is, is part of the answer to that so I think not just you know in the workplace I think going you know to, at school I think we need to talk about this more at school I think we need to talk about it in, in the workplace as well um, and so again and it, not just you know oh it's a boring you know t- half an hour mandatory webinar we've got to attend once a year or it needs to be something more than that where people can kind of, you know really get sort of stuck into it um so that's the sorts of things we're, we're trying to do here we're trying to you know bring bring, ev- bring everybody on a journey make sure people feel safe again something sarah mentioned previously in our know, safe environment um and i think what, what, one other thing as well again from my previous experiences i think sometimes the root cause of you know someone's poor mental health is Basically, the volume of work and, unexpe- you know, unrealistic expectations, uh, you know, the, to sort of offer or oh, have a free yoga session or, you know, do some mindfulness. Here's an app. You know, that is not that's a sticky plaster. You know, that is not solving the issue. The issue is people are overworked, stressed out and, you know, and so on and so forth. So I think there's a there's a real understanding, again, for me, when I'm trying to build my business. Uh, and I'm guilty of it sometimes myself as you know Ian I sometimes send messages at 10 11 o'clock at night because that's where I get you know have some free time because I've got two young kids um, I need to be really conscious of what's that message given to other people you know and should really should I do that um, so you know I think it's um all of those sorts of things what message if I'm going to be a leader of this company you know r- rightly or wrongly people are going to think that you know act the way I do and then you'll succeed mm. so I, I've got to be really conscious of that so and I need people around me people like yeah, again you guys here to tell me these sorts of things you know and, and perhaps you know just a, a little word in the ear to say do you know like my wife great at it my wife's really good at you know so saying things like are you sure you should be sending messages this late and um so yeah, it's all, all those all those kind of sorts of things, I think. Ian.
0: Cool. Okay. Thanks, Andy. Um and, and Mike, you've you've referenced a number of things that, that you're doing, but are there other things you haven't mentioned that are worth talking about that are that are starting to turn the tide?
3: Yeah, well I've noticed that a lot of companies I'm working with now, you know, they come into sort of the, the mental health first aid arena with myself. And from there, especially HR guys, they're going away from changing the policies within companies so they are putting in place mental health action plans and policies so they're putting it in black and white on what the company will do for their employees and also on the flip side what the employees should be doing for the company and for looking after themselves as well and a great example of this is Thames Water they seen as a sort of the sort of the gold standard when it comes to mental health. And in Thames water, they did a report a few years ago that for every one interaction somebody had with a, a normal first aid, for for example, a catfinger, there would be five interactions with a mental health first aid. Wow. Now what that showed though, is that within a two year period, they had reduced absences due to sickness, depression, anxiety, et cetera, by 75%. Wow. So the money they invested into the mental health of their staff has paid for itself. Hmm. It's really had a massive return on investment. So it's very, the, the onus is on the company to so look after the staff because, you know, as you know, staff are the biggest <laughs> expense for a business. Because it's all positive. So Mm. all that additional
0: training really pays. Yeah, I mean, that on its own. I mean, so you can talk about the the emotional well-being and the positive mental health and looking after people, but that's a real case study in cold hard facts and and the economy uh, of, of running a business. The business case stacks up. Oh, massively so.
3: Massively so. And you get lots of businesses then that, okay, not everybody could be a mental health first aider, but what you do find is mental health first aiders will run training afternoons or lunch and learns mm-hmm. once a month, you know, putting posters up. The, the companies publicize their commitment to positive mental health for their staff. So it not only does it have a good, does it do the staff feel good, but also... You know the, the whole company. You know when people look in at the company, they're thinking, "Wow, they're doing some really good things for their staff." Yeah.
1: And and yeah. and I think as well, Mike, like just to kind of follow on from there. Re- really, if we're ever to solve this sort of problem, it, it, the bottom line, if, if there's a, if there's a reason to say, and this will help improve your bottom line, which is exactly what you've just demonstrated, that is going to resonate with some with some people. Because um, I think there's there is an element. You know, I'm pretty sure most organizations would say yes we take mental health seriously yes you know we're gonna we've got a policy yes we've done this that and the other but you know when push comes to shove there'll be a number that still don't get it will still not necessarily you know invest and, and so on and so forth. unless there's a there's a you know and you know maybe this is kind of like by hook or crook we'll we'll get there unless there's a you know a good re- reason to do it and you know the pound note could be could be the reason whilst it's sad and disappointing let's be realists you know, That's if that can if that can help, let's let's do that. So I think stories like that need to be shouted as far and wide as as they can.
0: Definitely. Um, I was I was going to finish off on a question of of what are the red flags to avoid as far as working for a company, but it feels you know the conversation has gone so positively at, towards the end of the podcast. I don't want to end on that. So so I'd like to put you all on the spot a little bit and ask you for two or three things that you would actively seek out in looking at a new company either to work for in 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 your case Mike and Sarah you know the clients that you really want to work for or in your case Andy the sort of business you're looking to set up for yourselves what are the two or three things that you think right this is this is really what I'm looking for so Sarah you know you talk quite a lot on LinkedIn around safety and psychological safety. So I'll start with you if you don't mind. What are the what are the two or three things you really would be looking for?
2: So yeah, um, thank you. Yes, psychological safety. So looking for organizations who want to actively encourage open challenge and debate from their teams that are moving away from the defensive reaction of, you know, the senior leadership know best and therefore the team just do what they're told. Um, towards building a much more uh, open and transparent culture where everybody can challenge and everyone can debate to make sure that they lead to better outcomes for for customers and for employees. And that isn't to say that you know everyone gets to to have a say in its its um, decision by committee in every situation, but that where organisations are genuinely encouraging that that open debate and, and transparency. And where they are um, humble enough, have that humility to accept when they've got things wrong and put their hands up and say, you know what, we've learned from that. Uh, where people are encouraged to make mistakes and learn from them, whether that's you know, technical, fail fast, agile methodology, or actually on the, the leadership side of things as well, and to learn from, from where they've got it wrong and to, to do it better next time.
0: Cool, thank you, Sarah. Um, Andy. Andy. What about
1: you yeah, I think um, obviously everything Sarah said hundred percent agree with I think for me for, for on the taking it from what we 're trying to do, you know the business we 're trying to set up ourselves, I think one, one is that whole tell stories piece starting from you know me and and the leadership kind of the the leadership team. Since one, you know these sorts of podcasts i think are really important i want to get that message across i've struggled i'm struggling you know my goodness who hasn't in the past year you know we've got two young kids here we're again as ian knows we're isolating because of covid cases and we're just doing our nuts in. you know so um, everyone again everyone has got a story i think telling those stories um it's it's okay it's good we encourage it obviously people got to be comfortable to do it but you know um, i think that's really really important and I think the other point, again, something something that Sarah said as well. I think I have seen too many times in the past where people haven't been punished. Probably isn't the right word, but called out or re-educated or whatever the term is, where where some, something has gone wrong, somebody has done something wrong, and you know that I don't I don't necessarily feel that's always been taken as seriously as it could. Be. So I think for us, you know, we want to get the right advice, and again, it's it's people like Sarah and Mike, you know, it's people like yourselves who have got this kind of insight and experience and knowledge. You know, we need to have some of that in our in our organisation to make sure you know we're doing things right. And again, it isn't the case of oh, we're the leadership team, we we know best because we absolutely know we don't know everything. Um, so I think I think those two things: telling stories and then you know doing something about it when something goes wrong. I think that's really key. Great. Thanks,
0: Andy. Um, Mike, anything? else to add? I mean, there's a lot of stuff they both covered there. They're not left yeah. you. With much, much room to breathe. <laughs>
3: it's okay. But I think it's refreshing what Andy said. It's that, you know, the senior leadership team don't know everything. And when we do talk about the training, I get so many companies I work with who just want their senior leadership team trained in sort of mental health first aid, where then are you going to have the young apprentice who's 17, who's working on the shop floor, wanting to talk to one of the SLT about the challenges they are facing. So I think it should be a broad spectrum across everybody within a given company that who is able and capable to do this training or be able to, uh, to talk about their own mental health.
0: Cool. Thanks, Mike. Um, so that's, that's the end of, of this week's podcast. It's, again, another podcast that's flown by. Um, I, I'm really like, excited by where, where we can go. with 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 this conversation actually um and uh thankful and grateful for for you all sharing your own stories today Um, and hopefully there'll be somebody listening at the other end of this that will listen to your stories take some of that advice open up um wonder if their companies are going down this road and maybe ask some questions of their own companies as to what they're doing you know are they talking with a mic ring or a sarah morgan are they looking to adapt, adopt an Andy Colton approach to, to running their business? You know, that's the that's the thing for me, is, is getting people to listen and, and, and hearing your story. So thank you all for your time today and your, your expertise and your experience. It's you know it's um truly humbling to, to listen to you all and, and 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 get some inspiration from you. So thank you for that. Um if you want to hear more from us, you can subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Music. And to stay up to date with our other content, please follow us on LinkedIn. Nice timing for the car to park there. (laughs) (laughs) Classic working from home uh, content there. Um, Or, of course, if you want to become a mentor um, or looking for a mentor uh, from Future Leaders Mentoring, please go to our website, futureleadersmentoring.com and tap the Join Us button. So until next time... Thank you all for listening. I hope you take some inspiration, as I have, from Mike, Sarah and Andy today. Goodbye, all. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.